The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has a food. very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Welcome to Stacking the Box. To subscribe, hit us up on Google Play or iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. Here is Stacking the Box. Welcome in to another rousing edition of Stacking the Box. He is Matt Verderam, our NFL insider. And look who it is sitting in for the vacationing Jeff Schwartz. It is Earl Bennett, longtime receiver for your Chicago Bears, and of course a Vanderbilt Commodore. EB, good to see you, my friend. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Excited to be on the show, stacking a box. Let's do it. Yes, we're, we're, we're going big today, and we're, we're going to start with Drew Brees, Matt Verderam, who made NFL history on Monday night. The Saints looking incredible against the Colts. And, of course, Breeze breaking Peyton Manning's career touchdown record, five-yard pass to the one and only Josh Hill, who goes in the record books, I guess, as well. When you look at Breeze, Matt Verderam, and you think about the great quarterbacks who have played this game, where do you, where do you rank a Drew Breeze? I think he's in the top ten. Like, and I know that stats now are different than stats 20, 30 years ago because teams throw the ball more than ever, the rules are different, but... Look, what Breeze is doing is obviously historic. We just talked about the fact that he set arguably the biggest passing record that there is. He has a Super Bowl ring. He may well get another one here this year. We'll see how things play out. I wouldn't put him ahead of Brady or Manning. I wouldn't put ahead of Montana. After that, I think you can start to have an argument. Like, is he better than Marino? He's just prolific, and he won a Super Bowl. Like, he's got to be right in that range for me. I'd put him ahead of Rodgers. I know some people might argue that. I think he's a better quarterback over the duration of his career. I think Rodgers had a hotter peak 
but I think Breeze has just done it for a longer period of time. So I'd put him top ten. I mean, you want to start arguing, you know, Unitas, Stahlbach, that you know, that that's fine. I think he belongs right about wherever you'd put Marino. Eb, you play with some great quarterbacks, notably Josh McCown, and then that other guy Jay Cutler, who uh, I guess we can throw in there as well. But uh, you know what? I, before you go, Earl, I would just say, look, Drew Brees is a great quarterback. Seventy-six thousand yards is preposterous. I mean, he, who knows where he's going to end up by the time he's done here? I would say clearly over eighty thousand. However, I would never say he's been the best quarterback in the game while he's played, and he's been out there for a long time. Oh, top five when he's been playing. But so to rise him up to that level, I have a hard time doing it. Where are you at? Well, we all know that he's no Jay Cutler. He's no Josh McCown. But, I mean, this guy can really throw the ball around. He distributes the ball better than anybody that I've seen in the NFL. And I think it comes down to body of work. I wouldn't put him in that top five category. But I definitely think top 10 easily Drew Brees is in that conversation. Is he better than Peyton Manning, Tom Brady? Uh, I don't think so. I think those guys were able to do a little bit more than Drew Brees, but I think he benefits from playing with Sean Payton, a system that he's very comfortable with. He's been able to utilize some of his bigger receivers in the slot position. And I think when you look at his body of work, it's definitely better than Aaron Rodgers. But if we're going off pure talent and pure athleticism and the ability to really throw the ball, I always get Aaron Rodgers uh, ahead of Drew Brees in that category. But I think the body of work is certainly there when you look at Drew Brees in terms of the uh, competition between him and Aaron Rodgers. Does anybody deduct points because he's playing in a dome in his home games and Rodgers is playing at Lambeau Field? No, I don't. No, you can't deduct points. No, I mean, look, he plays where he plays. And, and you know, he's had plenty of great games on the road. Like, I don't have a problem with it. Like, there have been, I believe, 12 seasons of quarterbacks throwing for 5,000 yards. Brees has five of them. Like at some point, that matters, right? Like, I, I don't care if they throw the ball a lot. A lot of teams in the NFL throw the ball a lot. Manning threw the ball all the time. But, you know, how many times did he throw for 5,000 yards once? Well, and Peyton, so, Peyton, Peyton and, and played I think in the Peyton dome as better. well. So let's, let's, let's I think play. Manning was the better quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But Breeze, to me, look, if he played in a bigger market, I think you'd hear about him a lot. Like, if he played for, like, the Giants or the Cowboys, you'd hear about Drew Breeze nonstop every day of the week. But he plays in New Orleans – uh, I, I think, for my money, first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he's had a better career than Aaron Rodgers has. I, I don't. I don't even know how you'd really argue against it. They both won one Super Bowl. Breeze has put up far better numbers, and I would argue with a lesser supporting cast a lot of those years. So, to me, Breeze is a top ten all time quarterback. Maybe I'm biased to the NFC North here, but just pure eye test. Aaron Rodgers and the throws that that guy makes at the most key times in a football game over the incredible career that he's had, I'd still take, I'd take Rodgers, but that's just me. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. EB, no, I, I any final thoughts? Too. Okay. I, yeah, no. I... I, I personally think Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Drew Brees. And obviously, I may be a little biased here, too. But I think when you look at Drew Brees' offensive line, they've always had a really good O-line. That's one thing that he's never lacked. When you look at the Green Bay Packers, they've, they've always struggled at the offensive line position. Injuries each and every year to the offensive uh, left tackle, offensive guard. And so I think if they had more continuity and consistency at the offensive line, who knows, maybe – 
you know, Aaron Rodgers would have a, a better body of work. Let's jump into best team in the NFC as we talk Packers and Saints, who obviously are right there, and of course the 49ers and Seahawks as well. Shocking loss for San Francisco this week at home to Atlanta. Now they've been playing the NFL's elite week after week after week, and they still got to beat Seattle, so maybe they just... I, I don't know, Matt. I, I look at it like Seattle, that San Francisco, A, they were banged up. B, the game you know, was a clear trap game for them. I don't read a whole lot into losing to the Falcons. Do you? No, I don't. And look, they can still run the table and, and they control their own destiny. So I don't think it's a huge deal they lost. They just have to beat the Rams, and then they're going to have to beat Seattle. They're going to have to beat Seattle anyway. The only thing that that Atlanta loss changes is the fact they can't lose to the Rams on Saturday. So... I don't worry about it too much. Their defense does worry me a little bit. Like they've been giving up more and more yardage, more and more points as years gone on. Injuries have played a big part in that. Um, I think the best team in the NFC is New Orleans. We just talked about Breeze, obviously. Look, and I know the Niners won the game there. I get that. And I respect that. But for the man we just talked about, like I trust Breeze more than Garoppolo in a playoff game. Doesn't mean Garoppolo hasn't impressed me. He has as years gone on. I think Breeze, though, is the better quarterback. I think the Saints are a really good team. They've obviously already won that division. If they get home field, they have the number two seed. I think New Orleans is going to be a bear to take down. I don't trust Seattle. Seattle's played a ton of really close games all year long. I'm not saying that I think Seattle can't do it. They could. uh, But I think the Saints overall are the best team in the AFC. Or the NFC, rather. EB, who you got? I have to go with the Packers here. Uh, Unfortunately, being a former Bears, it hurt me to say that. But I think when you look at this Packers team, they win out, they get a bye week, and you do not want to go to Lambeau Field and play. It's cold, guys are aching, you definitely don't want to be on that field, and they have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. I mean, when you like to go into a playoff game knowing that you got this guy, I mean, I would just looking at um, the intangibles and looking at how consistent they've been on the defensive side. I think they've got more help on that side of the ball more than they have been in recent years. And so I think the Packers are a scary team right now. The Smith brothers up front, they're pushing the package, and we'll see what happens. And Mike Patton, their defensive coordinator, has done a great job uh, with that defense this year. I, the reason why I don't like Green Bay myself is that they're on the road at Minnesota. I like the Vikings to win this week. That's, and we can get more, get more in-depth into that later. But Kirk Cousins somehow has figured it out, or the Vikings have figured it out with Kirk Cousins up there in Minnesota. And I actually think the Vikings win this week. And then the Packers, they're still on the road, albeit it's the Lions. So I, I think their last two weeks are tough. Verderam, where, where are you looking at Green Bay? I think they're going to destroy Detroit. Uh, I, I do think Minnesota wins a game, uh, which would knock Green Bay essentially out of a bye week. So, look, I, I think the Packers, if they beat Minnesota, then, yeah, I, I hear Earl's point. Look, they, they would be at home uh, for the divisional round. And, yeah, it's, it's brutal to go up there. Like, you could get a game where it's negative 10 and it just completely nullifies what teams like to do. So, uh, but if they lose against Minnesota and they're a three seed or a four seed, or well, they wouldn't be a four seed, they're a three seed, uh, I would take them to win in the wild card round. I probably wouldn't take them to win further than that. The NFC is so tight. All these teams are so good. The smallest advantage might be the difference. So if you're home, that might literally be the difference. And if you're playing away, like I, I think being a one seed or a two seed in the NFC is far more important than it is in the AFC right now. See your future, be your future, Earl Bennett. Seahawks and 49ers, week 17. What do you see happening? I see the Seahawks winning. I think we're starting to realize and see that this 49 team, they're just pretenders. I know they have 
you know, some key injuries at certain positions, but I just don't buy uh, Garoppolo. I'll sell on him. I think George Kittle is legit as it comes at the tight end position. But I think defensively, they're not as good as we think. They have some young guys up front that can't rush the passer, but I just don't see them winning this game. Wow. Talking about a team that went into New Orleans. Now, granted, they gave up 46 points, but somehow got it done. Uh, they played the Ravens incredibly tight on the road. That was a three-point loss. And then, uh, you know, I guess Atlanta, we got to throw in there. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about the Seahawks and, and, and the or the 49ers, rather, and the Rams this week, Murder Ram? I think the Niners are going to smoke the Rams. I mean, the Chargers, I'm sorry. The, uh, that's what, what about I'm, the Chargers? Uh, the, Rams, the Rams and the Niners. Thank you. Say, okay. Thank all you. Right. My bad. Are you good? I'm, 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 I was drinking early <laughs> today, but I'm all right. Oh, good for you. I wish I was. There uh, you go. No, look, I, They're home I, with the Rams. I, Thank I, you. I, I, no, I know that. Uh, the Niners, I, I think, <laughs> will win the game going away. Look, I think they're, they're not going to have a bad week after what happened against Atlanta. They're at home in this game. The Rams, by the way, if the Rams had beaten Dallas, they'd be playing for a lot. They'd be playing for a playoff spot. They're playing for nothing. They're deader than hell in this game. I, I think the Niners, this is where I think the Niners actually play really well and, and absolutely plow the Rams. But I, I'm with her all here. I think Seattle's going to win that division because going up to Seattle and beating that team, and what's certainly going to be Sunday Night Football Week 17, that's a brutal spot. Like, I wouldn't pick anybody in the league to go up there and beat them in that game. So I, I think San Francisco is going to be a five seed. And I think they're dangerous as all get out as a five seed, but I think they're going to be a five seed. Who we go? Let's take a look at the AFC here. Baltimore, Kansas City. Uh, the Ravens have been simply incredible. Lamar Jackson is that MVP case continues to build. Uh, the Chiefs got their tenth win this week, and I think people might not right now be sleeping on KC. I don't know. I mean, Verdam, you're you're embedded with the Chiefs every single day, uh, but. I, when you when you try to size up what's happened in the AFC, it's not as interesting as the NFC, but I, it, I, to me, it's murky at the top. It's more top heavy. Uh, you know, the NFC, there's just I think five really really good teams, and Dallas is even interesting because they're weird. Uh, look, the Bills have been a nice story. They're not going to the Super Bowl. The Texans are not consistent enough, in my opinion, to go to the Super Bowl, and Pittsburgh has no chance in hell of, of even winning a playoff game. Duck Hodges is not going on the road and winning a playoff game. So. For me, it's Kansas City, New England, and Baltimore, with New England being a clear third right now. They can't score a point. I mean, Brady threw for four and a half yards per attempt against Cincinnati. Like, I think that the biggest development right now, we know Baltimore's really good. They're going to be the one seed. Kansas City's defense is starting to play really well. Uh, the last four games have given up an average of 11 points. I mean, they've been dominant. Everybody talked about Drew Locke going into this game. How's he going to play? He's back home, 15 minutes from where he grew up. The Chiefs killed Drew Locke. And I know Snow and I get all that. He he couldn't throw the ball. They were all over him. They only sacked him twice. But they must have hit him a dozen times. Now they pick up Terrell Suggs. Uh, look, I, I think Kansas City and Baltimore are 1A1B. I think they're both really good. They played each other in week three. The Chiefs won that game. I don't know that that matters a ton. Uh, you know, it feels like years ago now. But I think they're the two best teams in the conference. And I, I think really it's going to come down to just kind of how that game unfolds, who has injuries, stuff like that. I think those two teams... Uh, are clearly the best the AFC has to offer right now. Earl Bennett, you live in Houston, Texas. We have not mentioned the Texans here, and they did get a big win despite two big picks from Deshaun Watson in the red zone this week, but they got it done beating the Titans. Uh, they got Tampa Bay, and they got to face the Titans again. Do you put the Texans in the mix at the top of the AFC? I do not put them at the top of the mix for the uh, AFC because they are simply just not consistent enough. I think when you look at them from an offensive standpoint, 
they can be very explosive at times, especially with Will Fuller being back. And they can run the ball with Carlos Hyde, too. And also Duke Johnson coming in on third down. I think he's been incredible this year. But defensively, they can't rush the passer. I think they're going to have difficulty this weekend going up against Jameis Winston, who we know will throw for interception, but he may throw six touchdowns. And I think when you look at the AFC and Baltimore and the Chiefs, the Texans, they're just not good enough to be up there at the top. But what's making me frustrating about this conversation is we are still not talking and giving credit to Bill Belichick because he is the king of adjustments. It's about to be playoff time. They're going to get it rolling. I see them as being one of the top two teams in the AFC simply because they have Belichick. So Earl Bennett wants to, what I'm hearing, fight Matt Verderam right now and everybody else who uh, is dogging the Patriots. And by the way, the guy that normally sits in Earl's seat, Jeff Schwartz, would be jumping on with Earl attacking Verderam. Because, That's true. Because New England is New England is New England forever and well, always. Look, I have all the respect in the world for Belichick and Brady. I mean, they've been to nine Super Bowls. You'd be a fool not to. They can't score. Like, at some point here, you've got to be able to score a point. And I, I, I get it. Like, they, they have earned every benefit of the doubt, as they should. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. And look, I'm not sitting here saying they can't go to the Super Bowl. They're them. Like, until proven otherwise, they go every year. So could they do it? Yes. But I think if we're just looking at this year, so far they have not been one of the two best teams in that conference. They got plowed by Baltimore earlier this year. Kansas City went up there, turned the ball over three times, took 136 yards worth of penalties and still beat them. Mahomes couldn't even grip the football for most of that game. And Houston beat them and beat them convincingly. Like The only time New England's played anybody this year, they've gotten pounded. So, now, look, does that mean that they couldn't get a bye, get a little healthier, play a really good game, beat Kansas City? No, absolutely they could. You'd be a fool to say otherwise. But right now, like, they can't score. They can't run the ball. They can't protect Brady. Brady, other than Edelman and James Wade, has nobody to throw to. I mean, Earl, if you want to come out of retirement, you'd be their number one receiver right now on the outside. <laughs> They've got nothing. I mean, they can't throw the ball at all. So, look, they have issues that the Chiefs and the Ravens don't. But they also have rings that the Chiefs and the Ravens don't, so I respect that. Would you agree that the best unit, if you were going to pick, say, the Chiefs' offense, the Patriots' defense, the Ravens' offense, you can even throw the Ravens' defense in there. The best unit, though, I'd still say is New England's defense. Anybody want to argue that? I'd agree. No, I agree. Okay. So, I mean, that's... And I think, I think when, you, when you look at this playoff you know, time, the jury's out now. Bill Belichick knows what to expect from the Ravens. He's not going to have the same game plan as he had in the regular season. It's going to change dramatically, and that's what he does. I mean, he's the king of adjustments, and I think that defense being the top, you know, in the NFL right now, I think they'll get the job done. You can't really throw. Stephen Gilmore is probably going to be the uh, NFL defensive player of the year just because how he's been playing this year, and like I said, I can't go against the Patriots. It's time to place your best. Now let's move on, team, to our famous segment, which, of course, is placing 
your bets as we get our numbers from the Action Network. Love partnering with the Action Network. And we will start with those Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. New England at home. They're a six and a half point favorite. Forty percent of the bets are going on New England. Forty-eight percent of the money is on New England. So this one is basically split right down the middle. Uh, the number on this is thirty-eight and a half. Very little money is on the over here. So maybe uh, uh, we could we could be seeing a situation where there's more points on the board than people expect. Matt Verderam, I start with you. Buffalo and New England. Uh, I think New England's going to win, but I take Buffalo to cover. Six and a half is a lot of points in a game that you're probably not going to see a lot of points in. right? Like if, if New England wins by the same margin they won the first time, 16-10, and that came with a block punt, uh, you cover if you're the Bills. So I think it's going to be something very similar to that. I think it might be something like 13-10, 16-13. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Buffalo won. I'd be surprised. I just think Josh Allen in this game is going to get Buffalo killed. And he's been better this year but he still holds the ball longer than anybody else in the league. And against New England, they're going to blitz the daylights out of him, force him to try to throw the ball or take a sack. Uh, so I'll take the Bills to cover. I also think the under. I know the under is a low total. I don't. I, I think you might see 30 points in this game combined. EB? Yeah, I'm going Patriots 21-17. Uh, I, I'm just not a huge fan of Josh Allen. I know he can run the ball very well. He does things uh, a little different or orthodox as it relates to the play action. But I think the Patriots are going to come out. They, this is a game that they need to make a statement, I feel, in the AFC, and they will win this one. That would be the Bills and the under for Earl as we move on with our numbers from the Action Network. The Rams on the road at the 49ers. We touched on this earlier. San Francisco, despite losing at home, to the Falcons, no one's putting much stock into that. Certainly Vegas isn't. Six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the L.A. Rams. The number is 45-and-a-half. 91% of the dough is being put on San Francisco, which makes me want to throw my entire allowance plus anything in my savings account on the Rams when I see that heavy of bets on San Francisco. But uh, Earl Bennett, where do you go here, Rams and Niners? Yeah, I'm about to go to the bank and place my money on these 49ers. I think they're going to just absolutely destroy the Rams. I think when you look at what they're able to do with pushing the pocket, confusing Jared Goff, uh, he's had issues this year with you know not really understanding coverages that much. So, yeah, definitely. I'm going with the six and a half going on the 49ers. Yeah, I'm with Earl and I'm with the public. I think the Niners are going to crush, I almost said St. Louis, Los Angeles in this game. I- the Niners have to win, and they know they have to win. And I, I'm sorry, the Rams are playing for nothing. The Rams just looked like garbage against Dallas. They got blown out of the building. They were done the first half of that game. Uh, I, the Niners beat them up in L.A. when they played earlier this year, and they'll beat them up again. I agree. Earl said exactly what I was going to say. Look, the Niners are going to get pressure on Goff. And when Goff can't sit in the pocket and set his feet and, and throw the ball from a clean space, he's not good. So I, I think the Niners win going away. I think they set up a Week 17 showdown in Seattle. Matt Verderham, we're going to make an inner office bet here on a Lou Malnati's pizza, and I will and I will take the Rams, and we we will have our okay. We will have a, a nice deep dish situation. That sounds good. That, that sounds so, beautiful. That someone's going to be paying for. I got the Rams. Mark it down, team. The Rams in a week to week crazy NFL somehow, some way. They cover. Or they co- win. Cover. Cover. I'm, I'm, okay. I'll, I'll keep it. 
somewhat tame. I'll just take them to cover. All right. Saints and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this is a uh, obviously a huge game uh, for Tennessee fighting for playoffs, uh, their lives. And the Saints on the road here uh, fighting for seeding. A three-point favorite on the road at Tennessee. 78% of the bets going on New Orleans. 74% of the money. And the number is 50 and a half. More, uh, more action coming in on the over here. Matt Verderam, we start with you. I actually like the Titans cover. Uh, I think it's a really close game. I like the Saints to win. But, like, I could see this game being like Will Lutz wins it at the gun or something, like 28-27. I, I think Tennessee's good. Look, I know Houston beat them in Tennessee, and so all of a sudden the luster's kind of off. But, look, Houston's really good. Like, Tennessee, they played very well in that game. If Tannehill doesn't throw a ball that gets picked off at the goal line kind of flukishly and Whitney Merciless grabs it and runs the other way, maybe this is totally different. Um, the Titans have to win. The Saints really would like to win, but they don't have to win. Titans have to win. So I will take Tennessee to cover. I think the Saints ultimately, though, do win because they're just better and they have enough motivation to keep themselves interested. As an aside, while you make your picker, Earl Ben, I'm curious your thoughts on Ryan Tannehill and why it's working better for him in Tennessee than it did in Miami and whether you think it'll continue. Yeah, I think it's going to continue to work just because they have an efficient running game with Derrick Henry. I mean, this guy's a six foot, what, three, four bruiser. A lot of people don't want to tackle him, especially during December. So I think Tannehill benefits well from that and the and his ability to get out on the edge and throw the ball. But I think also to look at this game, the Titans, they have to win it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And they need to go out and they need to dominate. So I do have them covering and I also have them winning this game because it's a pivotal game. I think this AFC uh, South is going to come down to the last game, the Titans versus the Texans. All right, I'm going to double up on that one. I, I'll take the New Orleans Saints. Uh, so, Earl, you can send me some sweet Houston barbecue, uh, which would be wonderful. <laughs> i got a couple spots that I would pick from. All right, let's go to the Cowboys and the Eagles. This game should have been flexed for Sunday night football. I don't know why the Bears and Chiefs are still there, but they are. You can enjoy that game on Sunday night. Uh, yeah, it'll be great. Cowboys are a favorite on the road here, which is interesting, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and a lot of dough is going on Dallas, 81% of the bets, 91% of the money. Again, the numbers from the Action Network here. Uh, the number on this is 46 and a half. Uh, Earl Bennett, Dallas and Philly. This is a huge one, obviously. Uh, Going to decide the division in the NFC East. Who you got? Yeah, again, I'm going to go to the bank, and i got to put my money on the Cowboys. Jerry Jones is fed up. They need this win. They need to get in the playoffs for Jason Garrett to keep his job. And so when you look at this Philadelphia Eagles team, I think they're just injury-riddled. They're a team that, you know, started out as a possibility of making a push in the playoff. When you look at them now, not so much the case. And I think the Cowboys, they go on a roll and they get this victory. Matthew? Uh, Cowboys all the way in this game. The Eagles are the biggest frauds in the league. Wow. They, they, they suck. They barely beat the Redskins. They barely beat the Giants. They've had, they needed both those games. They're both coming down to the end. I, they're awful. They're not. Look, if, if the Cowboys lose this game, Jerry Jones should fire Jason Garrett on the spot on the fifty-yard line. Like you can't. Well, how do you lose this team? Philadelphia just lost to the Dolphins. They they were they were whiskers away from being zero and three against the Dolphins, Giants, and Redskins in games they knew they needed to win. If the Cowboys lose this game, I'd be surprised. And I, I'm not. I'm dead serious. 
if they lose this game, Jones should fire Garrett before they even get to a press conference afterward. I mean, you can't lose to Philadelphia right now. And, and people should remember, by the way, with Dallas, that it's just been a ton of tough losses for the Cowboys. Lose to the Saints by two. Uh, they're in a game with Green Bay. They end up falling to the Packers. And now it's a gross loss to the Jets on the road. But, uh, again, it's not like they're getting blown out. They they, they lose a tough one well, to Minnesota. I mean, they, they, got, they got pounded by the Bears. With all due respect to your that, Bears. The that, Bears beat them up. That, the Bills that, beat them up. The, the, the Bear game was ugly, and the Buffalo game on Thanksgiving wasn't pretty either. But uh, for the most part, I'm just trying to make the point, Dallas has played some very good teams and have been right there. They were right there with I, New England. I think, I think Dallas at least has an upside of being very good because they are talented. Philadelphia is a clown show right now. They're lucky they're even 7-7. Seven and seven. Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott, Earl Bennett? I mean, this is a very easy question in my opinion. Dak Prescott, I mean, when you look at his ability to, you know, play action, throw the ball down the field, get out on the edge and do a lot of things, he's very special. Carson Wentz, he's struggling. He's really not the quarterback that they thought he would become. And they, they paid a lot of money for him. So you have to stick with him, you have to roll with him. The same thing that the Rams did gave Jared Goff the bank. And so I honestly think Dak Prescott is a much better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Totally agree. Totally agree. Carson Wentz right now, has he ever been the same since that knee injury? I mean, I, I, I don't think he has. Depends on the week. One week he looks great, the next week he doesn't. I mean, that's that's yeah. been the life of Carson Wentz. I, I'm still slightly – I get intoxicated by Carson Wentz every now and then, but he, the consistency has not been there. Well, that's funny because Philadelphia fans get intoxicated because of Carson Wentz, well, so that, that's fitting. Go Eagles. All right, let's, uh, let's do the Chiefs and the Bears. Sunday night football means nothing uh, for the Bears who are eliminated. Uh, the Chiefs are a five-point favorite. 96% of the bets on Kansas City, 98% of the money – which is why I'm taking the Bears. It's aggressive. It's a lot of uh, percentages. Yes. Uh, well, and the number, by the way, is 45. I think the Bears play for pride and get it done and at least cover another tough loss for Chicago's Kansas City survives. But Earl Bennett, we start with you. I think Miami is looking great right now for the Chicago Bears. I think they're <laughs> packing their bags up. They're getting ready to head south to South Beach. Uh, they'll be around for the Super Bowl. I think the Bears, I think they pack it up. I don't think they show up for this game. I think the Chiefs come out. I think they dominate them early and they get the victory. So we can definitely bet some barbecue. We can bet pretty much whatever. I'll take Luminati's pizza headed to, <laughs> Chicago, uh, to Houston. Ludigo.com. Go ahead, Vernon. I always get leery like when the Chiefs are getting all the love in the world, like you just said. But I'm just going to be straight up. Their defense has been really good the last month. I don't think Trubisky's doing anything against Kansas City. Kansas City's been one of the better defenses in the league for a while now. They're really good against the pass. The Bears can't run at all. They don't even try to run. Like, Reed knows Nagy. I don't think there's a lot of secrets. And, and if the Bears are playing for something, I'd say, look, you know, I can see the Bears really rising up here. Playing. they got to limit. They're playing for nothing. And, and if New England loses on Saturday, which I don't think they will, but if they do, the Chiefs are then playing for the two seed. I think the Chiefs win this game going away. I don't, I don't think it's a complete and utter blowout. I think it's something like 24-13, but I don't feel like the game's ever in doubt. Uh, the weather's supposed to be good and clear, which benefits Kansas City because Mahomes going to be able to throw the ball over the place. Like, I, I just think the Chiefs are playing really good football. I think the Chiefs right now are playing the best they've played all year long by a wide margin. Hey, Earl, real fast on your Bears, what's the biggest problem in Chicago? Is it the head coach? Is it the quarterback? Is it the offensive line? Is it the fact that they don't have a tight end? You can pick something else. Feel free. 
everything you just said. They don't have tight end. The quarterback play has been very bad. Even the play calling this year. I mean, Nega won coach of the year last year just based off his play call and his ability to put Mitch in the right position to succeed. This year he has not. And I think when you look at their inability to move the ball efficiently at the run game, it's, it's, it's hindering this team to be the team that everybody thought they would be at the beginning of the season. There was high optimism that the Chicago Bears would make a heavy push in a playoff and possibly a Super Bowl. And when you look at this offense, you can see why. I mean, they lack in a lot of areas, and it's, it's very evident. But I think moving forward, they have to find somebody that they can hand the keys to and Nagy trust because obviously there's a trust issue and there's some sort of weird relationship that he and Mitch has because first you bench him during a Rams game uh, from an apparent injury, and now Mitch comes out and say, well, I wanted to do more to help the offensive line out, but Nagy was reluctant. And uh, it's just weird. They got to figure it out. But ultimately, I think they bring in another guy to really hand the keys to. Fair enough. That, that relationship is definitely something worth watching as we go forward here. And I'm sure Matt Nagy, when he hits his head, head hits the pillow at night, and he's going to be watching Kansas City on Sunday. God, if I only had Patrick Mahomes. God, if I only had Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but we'll see what he does with 10 <laughs> going forward in year four in Chicago. Green Bay and Minnesota team. Monday night football. Last game of the week that we're hitting. Vikings are a four-and-a-half-point favorite here. The money's going on Minnesota. The number's 45-and-a-half. That one's basically split. Uh, this is, you know, a huge, huge game. Looking forward to Monday Night Football. Matt Verderam, you got, uh, you, it seems like you're leaning Minnesota. You certainly said it earlier, unless you changed your mind. No, I think Minnesota's going to win. I do think the Packers are going to cover, though. Like, normally, you get three points for being a home team. So... Vegas is saying that it believes the Vikings are point and a half better straight up than Green Bay. I think they're about even. So I like the Vikings here, but I like them to win something like 27-23, 27-24. Uh, I think Green Bay is going to keep tight in the game. Look, the Packers are a good team. Like I think I think Rodgers has been weird this year. I don't think he's quite played as well as he should. Their offense gets off to these really hot starts on these scripts from LaFleur, and then they, they, they bog down as the game goes on. That being said, look, Green Bay can play. Defense, as Earl said earlier, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, they're really good. Um, I think the Vikings win at home. I think they clinch a spot, but I think it's a tight game. I think the Packers cover. EB? I think the Packers cover, and I think the Packers win. They need to win out to have that bye week, and which would be very crucial for them to get healthy and really make that push in the playoffs. So I think they come out. I think they fire, as you can see, against the Bears the first play. Uh, from scrimmage was a play-action deep shot to Valdez Scatlin that he missed and misjudged very poorly. But I think they come out firing. I think they come out taking their deep shots. I think Devontae Adams is one of those guys that can really beat anybody on one. Uh, they're saying zone coverages very well by, you know, allowing Jimmy Graham to do what he do, and that's really find a soft spot in the zone. So I think the Packers there come out ready, firing, and I think they win. I think Kirk Cousins get rattled by the Smith brothers. Impact is good, one. Last one on Green Bay real faster because they're talking about we don't know what our identity is. We we still haven't figured out what we're doing on offense to be consistent. One week it's this, one week it's that. N neither of you are concerned about the Packers' offense, or are you, Matt Verderam? I mean, I am. Yeah, I am. I, I think, like I just said, Rodgers has got to play better. Like, you look at his numbers and you say, well, he's only throwing a couple picks. Yeah, 
But if you watch the games, he holds the ball forever because he's always trying to make this play 60 yards downfield instead of just picking up eight. Now, look, four people freak. Like, that doesn't mean that he's not a great quarterback. He is. But he, but for him, I think he can play better. Like, most of the league would love to play the way he's currently playing. But for him, I think he could be better. For them to win a Super Bowl, I think he's got to be at his best because other than Adams, they don't have a lot of great weapons around him. Defensively, they are good. I don't know if they're great. So, yeah, I, I do think the offense has got to play better. Aaron Jones has got to be a huge part of the game plan for me every week. All right. Earl Bennett's on record here. He's confident in Green Bay. Some of the rhetoric out, there, out of their uh, headquarters is a little interesting right now, Matt LaFleur and company. Let's bring in a guy who has been one of the most consistent day-in and day-out performers for the last 12 years, and he got a huge win this week. Going to miss the playoffs this year. Uh, but Matt Ryan is going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, and he's also working with Gatorade on their National Football Player of the Year, which went to Arik Gilbert. Uh, but, uh, Matt, let's talk about what's going on with you and the Atlanta Falcons and why you guys have played so much better after the bye week. Yeah, I, th- I think we've just been more consistent, uh, you know, through the first half of the season, whether it be turnovers or, or uh, you know, penalties, those kind of things, putting ourselves behind the chains on the offensive side of the ball, making mistakes uh, in defense and special teams. We just had too much of that the first half of the season, and we've been much more consistent uh, in the second half of the season, and, and that's been the difference. Um, you know, when, when we play the way that we're capable of, we're a good football team. Has the speculation around Dan Quinn impacted the team at all, positive or negative, like, hey, let's let's do something for the head coach, or hey, this is you know, another question that I have to answer, and maybe it's distracting me. Is is, is that had any impact? Well, it's it, it's certainly something that you know we've had to answer and talk about. But I think more so than anything, I think you know guys guys love Dan and uh, and appreciate you know how he is as a head coach, how good he is to us as players, and uh, we know how much he cares. And and um, you know, I think you see that there's no letdown in in any of our guys. We play hard, and and uh, we're ready to go each week. And um, you know, certainly that, that mindset has been there, uh, through this, you know, period where you've had to answer questions about it. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think we all love him and, and, uh, I'll play really hard for him. Yeah. See, I was, you know, reading some of his comments and thinking he must have great rapport with his guys because he's, he's picked at, you know, the offensive line at times. And he said, Hey, the quarter, our, our quarterback could get rid of the ball a little bit quicker. You can't say those things to the media if you don't have great relationships with your players. There's no question, and uh, he's he's you know he's got great personal relationships with with each one of the guys, and uh, you know he has all of our best interests at heart, and, and ultimately uh, that's what you respect the most, and so uh, you know he's got the the respect of, of our locker room for sure. What what do you make of this stat, Matt Ryan? You're five and zero when you're facing the top passing defense in the league, and you did it again beating the Niners on the road, which was a hell of a win for you guys. That, I mean, doing it against consistently against the best defenses in the league, you wouldn't think you'd be 5-0. and I think we just need to play them more often. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Whoever's number one in the league, let's dial them up. But, uh, you know, I think it speaks to throughout my career, I've, I've been able to play with some great players uh, at the wide receiver position, at the tight end position, and, uh, you know, when you have great players uh, like that, it makes it going against a little bit easier going against some of those number one passing defenses. Along those lines, did it bother you that Julio wasn't in the NFL's top 100? That's a, you know, you've enjoyed throwing the football to him for sure. 
Well, whenever his you know career finishes up, I think he's he's ending with a gold jacket, and uh, we'll you know we'll be in that top 100 whenever his his time is done. There's no question about that. Yeah. And speaking of that gold jacket, that's uh, certainly in your future. You're the tenth guy to hit over 50,000 uh, career passing yards. Marino, of course, was the first back in the day. And then you've got Breeze and Brady and Manning and Favre and Rivers and Roethlisberger and Eli and Elway and, and you. What when You hear those names and then your name's in there. It's pretty cool. Uh, what does it mean to you? It is. I mean, it's, it's something I'm very proud of. Uh, and I think you know, more so than anything, it means, you know, that I've, I've, I've been consistent for a long time and that's always my goal, uh, to, to play well week in and week out and, and give our team a chance to win, uh, and play winning football at the quarterback position. I think I've been able to do that for the better part of my career. And uh, that's something that I, uh, I am proud of. Matt Ryan working with the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Last one for you, Matt. I always think that the media, in particular, puts too much emphasis on championships when they evaluate a guy's career. On that list, it's you, Dan Marino, and Phillip Rivers who haven't won the Super Bowl. Does that, if it ended up that you didn't do it, would it would it be a huge mark in your mind on your career that I, I didn't win the Super Bowl, or would you be like, hey, I was a great player, I gave it everything I had, and, and hopefully you will get there, but if, if you don't, it's not going to be something that's going to bother you long term, or will it? You know, I think I think the ultimate goal is to win uh, and to win a championship. Uh, there are a lot of factors that go into it, though. Um, you know, Dan Marino was an unbelievable player uh, and maybe the best or one of the best to ever do it at that position. Uh, and and I don't think it stains his career at all uh, individually. Um, but you know, as as a competitor, I think all of us, you know, want to finish with the championship, and and that's certainly my motivation moving forward. You going to keep doing this for a long time, Matt Ryan? I hope so. I hope so. My body feels good and, and uh, you know, still feel like I'm playing really well. So, you know, I, I take really good care of myself to try and play for as long as I can. And last one for real. Could, can you ever see yourself wearing another uniform? I hope not. You know, I think, uh, I think you know, in this league, uh, when you see somebody like Peyton Manning in, in two uniforms, it can happen to anybody, that's for sure. But uh, I love being in Atlanta, and, and uh, it's a great organization. We've got the best owner you could ask for in Arthur Blank. And um, the city's been, you know, unbelievable for myself and my family to live in. So I hope I'm here for, for my entire career. Matt, great to talk to you. Congrats on your success. And congrats uh, working with Gatorade and honoring Arik today. Pretty cool. Thank you very much. It's time for In or Out. Thanks to Matt Ryan. Awesome to talk to the future Hall of Famer. Gentlemen, it is time for in or out, and we're going to start with a potential Hall of Famer. He's got a couple of Super Bowls, but uh, we'll see what you guys think about Eli Manning. Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. Matt Verderam, we start with you. In or out on Eli in the Hall? I'm in. I wrote my whole column on Monday morning on Fansided about it. Well, not so much about that, but about Eli Manning and appreciating him. Look, to me, the Hall of Fame is obviously for the best of the best. And I don't know that you could say Eli Manning was ever elite, but the Hall of Fame is also about moments, and it's about mattering. And few players in the league have ever had a couple of bigger moments than Eli Manning. Like They, they won two Super Bowls, the Giants did, and largely because of two throws that Manning made. Now, I know that Tyree made an amazing catch as well, but that ball doesn't get there if Manning doesn't get out of some pressure and make a great throw down the middle of the field. He was great in big moments. 
it's hard to keep a quarterback with two rings out of the Hall of Fame. I know it's happened a few times. In fact, the Giants, Phil Simms has two rings, although he was on the sideline for one of them. Uh, he's not in. Jim Plunkett is the only quarterback to ever start two Super Bowls and not be in. And he had a very bad early part of his career where he resurrected it in Oakland and then later Los Angeles. Uh, I think Manning's in. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Like, and I'm usually a pretty tough grader on stuff like that. But I, I just because they, they beat an undefeated Pats team, then they beat Brady and Belichick again, and he was a huge part of that. Yeah, I, I put him in. Earl Bennett, Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer in or out. I am in on Eli Manning being in the Hall of Fame, but more importantly, I can't wait to see what facial expression they choose his bust because he's had some pretty good ones over the years. And I think when you look at his body of work, it hasn't been great, but the guy has two Super Bowls. And as you just mentioned, Matt, they were able to beat the Patriots team, which, you know, came off a, a pretty good catch, but he got the ball there. He was able to let the guys to get into the playoff. They got hot during the right time. I think Eli Manning is in the Hall of Fame. All right, just for me, the eye test, I don't care how many Super Bowls he has. I, I, I'm not putting him as a Hall of Fame quarterback. But God bless, But I think you will get in because of the name and because of the Super Bowls and the criteria. But for me, picking not a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's just me. All right, Urban Meyer. Let's move on to a man who's enjoying watching some football but perhaps will coach again. And maybe in the NFL, Urban Meyer will coach the Washington Redskins in 2020. Earl Bennett, in or out? I love this storyline. I am absolutely in. Urban Meyer's love attention. Urban Meyer loves himself. He is self-absorbed. He's one of those guys that want to let everybody know how great of a coach he is. And I think he takes his job. I think he comes in with the mentality that, this is, was a very, a very bad football team that I need to turn around, and I think he does it. So I am in and excited for Urban Meyer to be the next head coach of the Washington Redskins. I'm out. I think he's going to coach the Cowboys. So I think he's wow. going to be in the division. I think he's going to coach Dallas. You know Jerry loves him some stars, and Urban Meyer is a star. And on top of that, like I think this whole thing with the Redskins, I think this is just so he can get leverage. Jerry starts sweating. And you get a couple of guys with deep pockets trying to fight over you. I, that's just my read on it. Now, the one thing that's interesting, though, who's the quarterback in Washington? Dwayne Haskins. Where did he go to school? Ohio State. Where did Terry McLaurin go to school? Ohio State. Right? Like they showed Urban Meyer sitting there yucking it up with Alex Smith, who played at Utah under who? Urban Meyer. So there's a lot of connections there. That being said, I'll roll the dice. I'm going to say that he goes to the Cowboys – I think he's coaching in the NFC East, though, next year. Should stay on the college level, but we'll see. That'd be fun if Urban actually makes the the NFL leap. Let's do Joe Burrow, guys. Joe Burrow, your Heisman Trophy winner and perhaps national champion, we'll see, is the savior that the Cincinnati Bengals need. Andy Dalton moving along. Burrow the savior in Cincinnati. Matt Verderam in or out? I kind of feel like I have to be in here, right? Like, like look, they're going to take him. Unless something wild happens, he's going to be the first overall pick. And you've got to think like I like I like him a lot. I think Burrow's going to be a really good pro. I don't know that he's going to be, you know, a, a, the next Mahomes or Watson or or you know, uh, you know Lamar Jackson or whoever you want to throw out there uh, in terms of just coming in and lighting up the league. But I think he's going to be good. The question for me is like, can the Bengals help him out? Can they do anything to uh, to put some talent around him? So that obviously we don't know. But I, I guess I'm in more on – I think Joe Burrow is going to be good in the NFL. 
And so I think he's going to give them a real shot in the arm. The, the question with Cincinnati, again, though, is just how much do they help him out in year one, year two, year three? EB? How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. I am out. I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals have a competent offensive staff to really give Burrow what he needs to be successful. So that's why I don't see him being the savior of the team. I think you look at that offensive line, there's a lot that they need to fill. And personally, who really wants to go to Cincinnati and play? No. They haven't been good in a long time. A.J. Green is probably out after this year. So, no, I don't see Joe Burrow being a savior. I am out on this point. All right, let's move on to our fourth out of five, and that is where we find the Los Angeles Chargers and we find their head coach for now, but we'll see what they do with Anthony Lynn. The Chargers, of course, sitting at five and nine, tied at the bottom with the AFC West with the Denver Broncos. Anthony Lynn, the Chargers should get rid of him after the season, in or out. EB, Earl Bennett, you start. This is a tough one for me because obviously the the Chargers they just have not lived up to expectation. You know, last year they came out firing; it was a good team, and now they just look very bad. Although they beat you know Chicago Bears, which is not really saying much at this point now. But I think um, I am out. Uh, I think they should fire Anthony Lynn. I think they need to find somebody that really can come in and galvanize the squad. Phillip Rivers is on his last leg. I'm not even sure if he's the starting quarterback next year. So I think you bring in, you know, a, a, a fresh eyes and somebody to really give this team a chance next year. So you're in on firing Lynn. Okay. Uh, Matt? Look, I think Anthony Lynn's a decent coach, but I'm in for one reason. Uh, if they're going to move on from Rivers, which it seems like they are going to do, don't you just kind of start fresh here? I mean, Lynn's been there three years. Two of those years they've been a, a disaster. And the one year they, they were a playoff team, they went to New England and just got pantsed. It had one of the worst game plans I've ever seen. They played seven defensive backs against a team that wanted to run the ball. It was ridiculous. It got killed in the game. Uh, I think Lynn is a good man. He's a, I think he's a great man. Hell, if you read some of the stuff about him, I think, he's a, I think he's a smart guy and a good coach. I just don't think it's worked out. I think if you're the Chargers, like, you got to sell some sizzle in Los Angeles right now. You're trying to sell private seating licenses. You're moving into a new building. There's all this talk about what a disaster it's going to be and how the Rams are the only team that matter in L.A., and right now that's true. Like To me, if you're the Chargers, this has to be an offseason. You hire a big-name coach, and you spend some money in free agency, and you go into that draft, guns blaze, and get yourself a quarterback. Like This has to be a year where you really make some – and I, look, normally I'd say this is football. You don't worry about PR, but in L.A. you got to worry about PR. Like You've got to get out in front. You've got to make some moves. The Chargers, to me right now, what's sexy about the Chargers? Rivers is going to be gone. They're, they, look, they, they're not beating Kansas City in that division anytime soon with this group. They're not. There's nobody in that division doing it. They've got to re, reboot this thing a little bit, build around the core they have there in Derwin James and Bosa and Ingram, all these guys, Keenan Allen. But, yeah, I would move on from, from Lynn, even though I think he is a pretty decent head coach. Fair enough. All right, we wrap it up, team. With the New England Patriots, and uh, of course, Spygate was 2007. Now it's 2019. We've had Deflate Gate. We've had every other gate. 
The New England Patriots don't care. They're going to cheat, lie, steal, and do whatever they can to win football games. And no one's going to care because that's how you get ahead in life. I'll get off my soapbox here. After the release of the tape, the Patriots are guilty. In or out, Matt Verderam? Uh, It looks pretty bad. Doesn't look good. Uh, I mean, look, man. Like, two parts of that tape were really damning. One is just a, a trained, tight, still shot of the Bengals' sideline. That's not great. Like, there's no reason for some do-your-job documentary that they've got to be doing that for eight straight minutes. Two, that guy who was working for Robert Kraft Productions, that man sounded guilty as sin. I mean, you listen to that audio, and he's just, hey, man, like, let's just forget this whole thing. I'll delete the tape. Like, it was just... I don't know what he's supposed to say in that spot, but it just came off so bad. Like, I think they're getting fined. I think they're losing a draft pick or two. Like They're going to pay for this, in my opinion. If for no other reason, their history and the optics of the whole thing. The NFL, look, it's business. It's about optics. Earl? I am in. I mean, when you look at this Patriots team, you look at the deflate gate, spy gate, I mean, everything that they've done, they've always tried to have a competitive advantage. But in this case, it goes a little too far. I think they're guilty. They're a team that they're constantly trying to find that edge, whether it's uh, legal or illegal. And in this case, it's very illegal. I think they're going to get fined. I think some serious punishment is going to come down on them, especially during the offseason. They may lose draft picks. Who knows? They may lose a, a couple uh, days of practice, but... I definitely think there should be a harsh punishment for them, especially this being their third time around. See, I would take away all their draft picks. That's what I would do. That'd be that'd be one hell of a punishment. That'd Earl, be interesting. Earl, what would you do? I wouldn't take away all their draft picks. I would take away some, uh, probably two or three, but I would definitely cut their off-season uh, activities in half. I don't. I wouldn't give them the opportunity to have as much uh, leeway and practices that they would normally have in the off-season. Just because it is. And, and it's sad that they continue to take these measures to gain that advantage. And so you have to do something that has to be very harsh. I would I would take away the because they don't have a second round pick to trade it for Sudo. I would I would take away their first round pick and I I'd tell them that let's say the cap is two hundred million dollars next year. I take away fifteen million dollars from them for the salary cap. Can't use it. That'd be great. You know, you that's it. You're not you're like if you want to try and take a competitive advantage on other teams illegally then guess what? You're going to be at a competitive disadvantage. And I would tell them if they get caught doing it again, there's going to be ap- like just massive, ma- like people are going to be banned for life, stuff like that. I mean, at some point here, you know, look, Earl played in the league for years. I, I obviously did not, no chance in hell. But the one thing anyone who's ever played any level of sports knows, you want to get a player's attention, cut their playing time, right? Like that is the easiest way to do it. There is no, I mean, that affects a guy's wallet down the road, like that affects any enjoyment they're going to have playing. There's certain ways to get across to, to players. I think there's certain ways to get across to a guy like Kraft. Look, man, like you want to continue to do this stuff? We're going to find the daylights out of you, but that's not enough because he's a billionaire. He doesn't care. We're also going to start making your team have to pay the prices, and all your employees under you are going to have to pay the price for this. That's where it starts to hurt because then all the guys who work for you are looking at you going, come on, man, really? Like Now, now we're struggling because you and, and potentially the coaching staff – are doing all this crap? Like that, that's how you have to try to go at them because you find them all they want. Look, ultimately, these guys are worth enough money. The fine's not going to matter all that much. All right, let's sit back here as we wrap up the show here. 
And if you follow Earl Bennett on Twitter, at Earl B. Bennett, you know that he's great at telling a story. And Matt Verrem, we're going to sit back here. There's two weeks left in the regular season. There you go. And some teams are out of the playoffs. And unfortunately, Earl's been on some of those teams that did not make the playoffs, led by Jay Cutler. Uh, so, Earl, tell us. We're going to sit back at story time with Earl Bennett on Stacking the Box. What do you got, Earl B.? There are literally two weeks of the NFL's regular season left. There are a lot of teams that know we're going home. We're done for the year. I'm going to start packing up my house that I've been renting over the past couple of weeks and head down south to where I know it's warm. I'm going to get cozy, and I'm going to watch some playoff football. But I know that I have two more games left to play. So what do I do at practice? I may have a little shoulder bruise that I can tell coach. I, I can't really go 100% this week. Uh, you know, my hamstring has been bothering me or my ankle. I can't go 100%, but I will play this weekend. So during the game, as I'm stretching and going through my warm-ups, I kind of go to, to my, my opponent and say, look, man, you know, you guys aren't going to playoff. We're not going to playoff. Let's just take it easy. This actually happened. This is a true story. We were playing the Detroit Lions, and we were both out of playoff contention. And Philip Buchanan approached me and said, hey, Bennett, we're not going to playoff. You guys are not going to the playoff. So let's just kind of take it easy. I was a second-year pro, so I really didn't understand what was going on. But he said, as a pro, you have to take care of yourself and be smart. I do not want to be in Detroit in the offseason. And you definitely don't want to be in Chicago in the offseason where it's blistering cold. So let's just take care of each other. So I said, we'll see. Right? I honestly had no clue. I said, we'll see about it. And I lined up the first play, Phillips Silver in front of me. It's a run play. And so I run, you know, I run block him. And he's just kind of like trying. He's like, all right, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Okay, the play over. That was good, man. That was good. It was almost like an acting coach coaching you up on the scene as you're trying to go through your script. And that's what we did the entire game. We had a buddy-buddy system going on where we knew that, hey, we're going to the playoff. We do not want to be injured. And as a defensive back, Philip Buchanan, he did not want to tackle. So we just kind of played the role of, hey, your Earl blocked me very well this game, but at least I won't be in Detroit in the offseason. <laughs> hey, my decision on trying to make tackles when I knew it was for absolutely nothing. All right, that, that's fantastic. That, that's story time with Earl Bennett. Now, so, so you look great though. Your your block was solid. You you yeah. you you were who was running back at that point? The running back was Matt Forte. Yeah, okay. I look great. I mean, I graded <laughs> out probably an A. You know, coaches like look at Earl technique. You know, I dropped my butt. I shoot my hands inside. You know, I run, cut them off. You know, r- run really hard, cut them off backside to make it look like I'm trying as hard as possible. And he just stand there and just kind of like trot. And he tapped me on my head and said, hey, good job. Great job, Earl. Hey, that was a good cutoff backside, man. You know, I probably could have made that play, but you, you really took a steep angle to really get to me. So I appreciate that. Did you beat him for any uh, catches in the game? Oh, yeah, yeah. I beat him for a couple of catches in a game. But again, he was just lax. He was just chill. Like, look. I am not trying to get injured, Earl Bennett. I will push you out of bounds. I will let you run backwards, whatever. As long as you don't score a touchdown on me, I'm okay with it. And, and he was fine. That's, that's, that's awesome. Time to look forward to our favorite upcoming matchups. 
Uh, all right, Matt Burham, I'll give you the final word here as to what you're looking forward to after our story time with Earl Bennett. we got two weeks to go here, a bunch of big games this week. We've touched on them all. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Saturday, right? It's first Saturday slate uh, the NFL season, and I, I can't wait. It's the only one, in fact. Uh, and a lot of times these games are nonsense. They're really good games this week. Like Tampa Bay and Houston, Tampa Bay is pretty good, and Winston is must-see television. Like Earl said earlier, Look, Jameis might throw a half dozen picks, but that's not going to stop Jameis. Like, that ball is going to keep on coming out. Like, he he is just ridiculous with that stuff. But I'm looking forward to that game. Bill's Pats, I'm really looking forward to. Totally the opposite game. Like, I expect 80 points to be scored in Houston and Tampa Bay. And I think maybe 30 are scored by Buffalo and New England. And then the nightcap, get the Rams, get the Niners. Do the Rams show up and have some pride? Do the Niners take care of business? Uh I think the Saturday slate is going to be awesome, and I, I'm really excited for three consecutive days of football. Saturday football, indeed. EB, anything, uh, final thoughts, what you're looking forward to this week? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this New Orleans Saints and Tennessee Titans game. I mean, the Titans, they still have an opportunity to get in the playoffs. They just need to win out, so they would need to win this game and win the finale against the Texans. So I think that's going to be a really crucial game for them coming into it. And obviously, the Green Bay Packers versus the Minnesota Vikings. Monday night football, under the lights, you're the only game that's going to be on. The Vikings, they still have the opportunity to win the division. And the Packers, they're still trying to figure out who they are as the offense. But we all know who they are as the offense. Just look at number 12. They are Aaron Rodgers. Give him an opportunity to really push the ball vertically. But also, as Matt mentioned, you have to implement Aaron Jones. He's one of those guys that, you know, he can run between the tackles outside, I love the mismatch that they create when they motion him out to get a one-on-one of the linebackers. We saw the touchdown that he had against the Chiefs. So I'm definitely going to be watching this game and see how he and, he and Anthony Barr matches up against each other. 33's had a great year. That's where I was going, Green Bay and Minnesota Monday Night Football, uh, which it's going to be the, I would hope will be the best Monday Night game that we've gotten all year. Although there have been some, some good ones, particularly as of late. Earl Bennett. Great job sitting in for Jeff Schwartz today. We appreciate you taking time, my friend. Man, it is always a pleasure. You know, Mark, anytime you call or text me, come on. It's a no-brainer, man. We go way back, so I appreciate you. Matt, it was definitely a pleasure to be on with you today, man. I got to keep reading your stuff. You do a phenomenal job with Fansided, and thank you guys for having me today. Thanks a lot, Earl. Appreciate it. Did a great job, buddy. It was our pleasure, my friend. That is Stacking the Box, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Subscribe, tell a friend, as Stacking the Box is coming out every Tuesday afternoon. Enjoy your Week 16. This podcast is brought to you by Fansided. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown, considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations.